welcome and thank you very much for being here. An evening we have been um, wanting to have happen for over a decade now in getting Dunya McHale uh, finally here to Seattle. It's her first ever visit. And um, in waiting, or having, having had to wait, um, it's gone from one book of poems in, in this country to three books of poems and a remarkable nonfiction book. And tonight, um, within the limits of one evening, we're going to get try and cover a lot of that ground. So the first part of this evening is going to be Dunya reading poems and uh, reading in Arabic in the language she wrote in. And with her reading will be in, in English translation, uh, Claudia Castroluna, who is a Seattle poet and uh, is a state poet laureate. And I'll say a little more about this in a little bit. But to say, and having Dunya here um, from her home state where she lives now in Michigan, and uh, so it, this trip actually was, we, we thought this would happen as recently as May. And, um, and then she received a Guggenheim, which is a prestigious thing to receive. And there, there was the way the award of that went, it meant not her not coming here in May. So tonight ha is happening here um, as part of a trip to California. So it's one quick night and one quick day, and she's, um, but she's already being drawn into Seattle, so we hopefully we'll have her back here some more. Uh, so tonight, the first part of this evening will be uh, poetry, and then we'll get up and say a little bit more about the second part of the evening, because there's also some nice, something a little different to that too as well. Um, in having her here with these, um, what are now three volumes of poetry that have been published in this country, the first book published over a decade ago called The War Works Hard, the second, uh, Diary of a Wave Outside the Sea, and most recently, three to four years ago, a uh, co collection called The Iraqi Nights. Um, each of these books is different. Each of these books, and I'm not sure how many, how many poems you'll hear uh, out of which books tonight in the, in the time there is, but um, they're marvelous poems in their English translation in, in uh, what you read and what you hear. And they're definitely books to look at uh, because Dunya in, in her writing does things with type and, and the shapes of the poems. Diary of a Wave Outside the Sea actually includes a lot of uh, photographic material. There's letters, there's uh, other materials, in fact, and, then, and that includes, I think the whole collection may be in Arabic as well as English. And then uh, there's other things like that going on in Iraqi, the Iraqi Nights. Um, these are books that have been translated and read around the world and now more and more in this country uh, as they've been published. And uh, New Directions, uh, which we'll also say a little more about tonight, um, so known for the work they've done over the 20th century and now coming into the 21st century, uh, carrying out um, important vital literature uh, from this country but also from other countries. Uh, has been doing that work um, and is doing that certainly much in the case of Dunya McHale. So tonight, the first part will be uh, the two of them reading from the poems. Claudia Castroluna's role here is also interesting. She's originally from El Salvador, uh, a country which has experienced its share and more, more than its share of strife um, as, as the country that uh, Dunya is from, Iraq. Uh, and uh, Claudia's role as the state poiler, we have another Elizabeth Austin, another former state poiler. We were talking with Dunya about this. Um, the role is very interesting. This is supported here by the, in the state by the state human, Washington Humanities and also Arts Washington, uh, the Washington State Arts Commission, uh, the role, the, keeping the role of poetry um, really in the community and in around the state and doing so within the state, but also in relation to um, writers and poets from other places. And Claudia's embraced that role first as civic poet, 
here in Seattle and now in the State Poet Laureate role. So uh, you won't hear her poems tonight, but she's playing that role of helping poems from elsewhere be brought to us here. And uh, so that is, you know, that's also part of what's going on tonight. And Dunya says, we don't have this in Michigan, and we must. Uh, so that's also hopefully some of the, the infectiousness of good work and poetry going around is that uh, maybe we can anoint uh, Dunya, the poet laureate of Michigan here tonight. Uh, <laughs> They, they could use one, and she, would, and she would be a good one for that. Um, so um, we thank you again, and I'll say a little bit more when we have the we go from the next sequence, but please now join in giving a warm welcome of finally uh, arriving here to Seattle to Dunya McHale, and also with her, Claudia Castroluna. Good evening, everybody. Thank you so much for coming. I mean, it's very lovely outside and to, you know, leave that and be indoor, although this bookstore is, you know, fascinating. I've never seen a, as big a bookstore uh, as this one, and not only big, but um, I can see the Rick spirit in it makes it, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated that you have all these events one after the other. I'm so jealous. Uh, I wish, and it's a very creative city, I noticed. Uh, although it's one day, like it's today that I've been, so walked in the downtown, and I, I feel it's a very creative city, so, and I'm sure you are, so very uh, creative people, but, but thank you all, and thank you, Rick, for this wonderful invitation, and that I'm, well, always remember, and, and thank you, Claudia, for you know joining me here and reading in, in English. I'm so spoiled because I'll read uh, so like just in Arabic. That's really spoiling. And uh, thank you, Tynan, uh, for uh, you know also for um, editing the, the new book. Uh, I, I today so we will be in the uh, first part. We will be uh, I'll read in Arabic. We'll be back and forth. We picked these poems specifically because there's a chance for back and forth and uh, that they are consist of sections that we can uh, read them back and forth uh, to you. And they are from uh, the Iraqi Nights, uh, the poems, but the last one is from, it's a new, from New Manuscript. Uh, so um, maybe we should just uh, start so that, okay. So this Dunya, first one. Dunya, if you just one moment. I, I wanted to say a few words because I, I told this to Dunya last night when I met her. I came across Dunya's work when I was completing my MFA. I read The War Works Hard and that was, oh gosh, that was a while back. But I remember um, picking up this book and being uh, stunned by the connection I felt to this writer whom I never, I never knew who she was. She was this person speaking to me through this book. And I, having come, as Rick said, from a country uh, that experienced a, a tremendous civil war um, and, of course, subsequent uh, violence, I felt as if somebody was explaining or validating for me this experience of coming from a place of strife and what it does to yourself, to your own self, and to your family in a, such an elegant and powerful way. So when Rick mentioned to me that Dunya would, was coming through Seattle, I made it my mission to hunt him down and ask him regularly, when is it that she's going to come so that I could be, meet her and, and, and be around for the reading. So it is a huge honor for me 
to be able to read these poems in English alongside you. And thank you for coming and visit us here in Seattle. Well, well that's so nice of you, Claudia. Thank you to say this. Um, and also, um, uh, the, these, the poetry is edited by Jeffrey Young, who is also with New Directions. Uh, so I thank him. And I thank, lastly, also the translators, Elizabeth Winslow and Karim James Abuzaid. Uh, only the last poem, which is the new one, it's uh, by me. That now that, that I am writing everything twice these days. So writing twice is my new original. Um, but, uh, so this new first one, um, Second Life, Hayat Thania, is, uh, I wrote it just quickly, I say uh, the inspiration behind it. As an Iraqi, we, I lived the wars and one after the other. So I thought, you know, we Iraqis, if it's this life, if it's fair, we should have a second chance, a second life after this. But then I thought, well, everyone maybe needs a second life. Hayat Thania. A second life. بعد هذه الحياة نحتاج إلى حياة ثانية لنطبق ما تعلمناه في الحياة الأولى. After this life, we'll need a second life to apply what we learned in the first. نقترف خطأ بعد آخر. نحتاج إلى حياة ثانية لننسى. We make one mistake after another and need a second life to forget. ندندن طويلا في انتظار الغائبين نحتاج إلى الأغنية كاملة نذهب إلى الحرب ونفعل كل ما يقوله سايمون نحتاج إلى حياة ثانية للحب فقط. We hum endlessly as we wait for the departed. We need a second life for the whole song. We go to war and do everything Simon says. We need a second life for love alone. نحتاج إلى وقت حتى ننهي فترة الحكم في السجن ونخرج أحرارا في الحياة الثانية. We need time to serve our terms in prison so we can live free in our second life. نتعلم لغة جديدة نحتاج أن نمارسها أكثر في الحياة الثانية. We learn a new language, but need a second life to practice it. نكتب الشعر ونمضي. نحتاج إلى حياة ثانية لنعرف آراء النقاد بنا. We write poetry and pass on, and need a second life to know the critics' opinions. نركض في كل الأمكنة. نحتاج إلى حياة ثانية لنلتقط صورة. We rush around all over the place and need a second life to stop and take pictures. الألم يحتاج إلى وقت ليلتأم. نحتاج إلى حياة ثانية حتى نتعلم كيف نعيش بدون ألم. Suffering takes time. We need a second life to learn to live without pain. Um, and then uh, this next one, uh, tablets, but uh, before it, a prelude uh, to, it's uh, like, a, like a preface to the Iraqi nights. Um, and uh, we're gonna, can you take that book? Uh, somebody take that book out. Oh, sure. So, so these, um, these tablets and before this uh, preload, um, the, I kind of, 
um, these are written like in an Arabic calligraphical way with some images that are not really drawings, but I was trying to imitate the ancient Mesopotamian tablets. You know, the first communication in history um, is uh, those images inscribed on those tablets. And, uh, you know, and I'm fascinated by, by these tablets of ancient time that how people were expressing um, ideas through these images. There was no language yet, no letters. They were just expressing it through images. And I tried to kind of, if I were to express these small poems, which I also call like uh, Iraqi haiku, if you will, how would I, if I didn't have the language, how would I kind of, with it, kind of describe it with these images? And I am the worst person in drawing, but that helped because these images are supposed to be primitive. Um, so we'll start with, with um, uh, the preload, uh, the, the preface to that. Yaduha al-mumsika bihadiyya, yadu ummiha al-mamduda tukhalfaha, yadu dumyatiha min al-tufula allati tughanni bidakhtatin alayha, yadu khatifiha allati sahabatha bil-quwa, al-yadu allati tamsuhu dam'atan, al-yadu allati tuqlibu al-layali fi taqwim qadim, al-yadu allati tulawuhu salaman aw wada'an, أو طلبا للنجدة اليد بخطوطها خط الحياة وخط الحب وخط القدر. Prelude. Her hand holding a gift. Her mother's outstretched hand behind her. The hand of her childhood doll which sings when you press a button. The hand of her abductor dragging her along the hand that wipes away a tear, the hand that turns over the nights in an old calendar, the hand that waves in greeting or farewell or for help, the hand with all its lines, the line of life, the line of love, the line of fate. Alwah. Tablets one. وضعت أذنها على الصدفة أرادت أن تسمع كل الكلمات التي لم يقلها لها. One, she pressed her ear against the shell. She wanted to hear everything he never told her. كلما ترمي حصاك في البحر أتموج. Three. Whenever you throw stones into the sea, it sends ripples through me. قلبي صغير جدا لذلك يمتلئ بسرعة. Four, my heart's quite small. That's why it fills so quickly. الشجرة لا تسأل لماذا لا تتحرك إلى غابة أخرى. وَلَا أَيَّ سُؤَالٍ آخر بِلَا معنى. Six, the tree does not ask why it's not moving to some other forest or any other pointless questions. هو يشاهد التلفزيون وهي تمسك رواية على غلاف الرواية رجل يشاهد التلفزيون وامرأة تمسك رواية. Seven, 
He watches TV while she holds a novel. On the novel's cover, there is a man watching TV and a woman holding a novel. في الصباح الأول من السنة الجديدة سننظر كلنا إلى الشمس نفسها. Eight. On the first morning of the new year, all of us will look up at the same sun. الظلال التي تركها السجناء على الجدار أحاطت بالسجان وأضاءت له وحدته. Fourteen. The shadows the prisoners left on the wall surrounded the jailer and threw light on his loneliness. لست أمك يا وطن فلماذا تبكي هكذا في حضني كلما أصابك أذن. Fifteen. Homeland. I am not your mother. So why do you weep in my lap like this every time something hurts you? لا عليك من هذا الطائر يأتي كل يوم يقف على طرف الغصن يغني ساعة ساعتين لا يفعل أي شيء آخر لا شيء يجعله أكثر سعادة. Sixteen. Never mind this bird. He comes every day and stops at the branch's edge to sing for an hour or two. That's all it does. Nothing makes it happier. مفاتيح بيوت بطاقات هوية صور متآكلة بين العظام مبعثرة في مقبرة جماعية. Seventeen house keys, identity cards, faded pictures among the bones. All of these are scattered in a single mass grave. اللغة العربية تحب الجمل الطويلة والحروب الطويلة. والأغاني الطويلة والسهر والبكاء على الأطلال والعمل من أجل حياة طويلة وموت طويل. 18. The Arabic language loves long sentences and long wars. It loves never-ending songs and late nights and weeping over ruins. It loves working for a long life and a long death. بعيدون عن البلد ذلك هو كل ما تغير فينا 19 far away from home that's all what's changed in us رسائل الكترونيه سريعه تشعل ثورات وحيوات جديده في انتظار تحميل وطن ليس حفن التراب بوجه هذه العباره لا نتائج مطابقة لهذا البحث. 21. Instant messages ignite revolutions. They spark new lives waiting for a country to download a land that's a little more than a handful of dust when faced with these words. No results matching your search were found. مثل الغيوم نعبر الحدود بخفة. لا شيء يحملنا لكننا في سيرنا نحمل ذاكرة مكان آخر ومطرا ولكنا 23 We cross borders lightly like clouds Nothing bears us 
But we, as we move on, bear reigned in an accent, in a memory of another place. كم مثير أن تظهر في عينيه لا تفهم ما يقوله لها مشغولة بمضغ صوته في فمها تنظر إلى فمه الذي لن تقبله إلى كتفه الذي لن تبكي فوقه إلى يده التي لن تلمسها إلى الأرض حيث ظلاهما يلتقيان 24 How thrilling to appear in his eyes she can't understand what he's saying. She's too busy chewing his voice. She looks at the mouth she'll never kiss, at the shoulder she'll never cry on, at the hand she'll never hold, and at the ground where their shadows meet. This, is, this time, um, the, the new set of tablets, which we'll also read uh, part of, not all of them, that was also part, Tablets, Alwah Arba, Tablets 4. I just put them all in, in one page, everything. So I don't know, you, you're going to guess what's, which one, which one. <laughs> um, yeah, but so it's one page only. Aradtu an aktuba malhamatan anil mu'anat, walakini hina wajetu husla tashariha, bena ankadi betiha tini, raitu malhamati maktubatan, hunak. Tablets 4. 1. I wanted to write an epic about suffering, but when I found a tendril of her hair among the ruins of her mud house, I found my epic there. Hayatuha la'bat hayya wa daraj. Kul marra ta'ud ila al-murabba' al-awwal. Walakin man hayatuhu ghayra dhalik? تأخذ نفسا وترمي النرد مرة أخرى. Three. Her life is a game of snakes and ladders, sent relentlessly back to square one. But whose life isn't? She takes a breath and throws the dice again. ماتت وتغير الوقت لدى أحبائها ولكن ساعتها Five, she died and time changed for those she loved most, but her watch kept ticking. Eight, if you can't save people, at least don't hate them. فقاعاتها تزعجني ولا أفهم كلمة واحدة مما تقول ماذا لو أرمها خارج الحوض ثم ماذا لو سكبت عالمها الجديد معها هي مجرد سمكة مهاجرة سيئة Nine, her bubbling annoys me Can't understand a word she says So what if I tossed her from the aquarium so what if I spill her new world with this nasty immigrant fish? Ten. The city's innumerable lights turning on and off remind us we are born to arrive as we are born to leave. 
المناديل مناديلهم لكن الدموع دموعنا 11 the handkerchiefs are theirs but the tears are ours قال لي انت بعيوني الان كل ما ينام تغطيني اجفانه 14 he said to me you are in my eyes now when he sleeps his eyelids cover me بلغامش لم يعد يحلم بالخلود يريد فقط ان يرى صديقه انكيدو 15 Gilgamesh stopped wishing for immortality for only in death because he could he be certain of seeing his friend Enkidu again الريح لا تميز بيننا حين تعصف نحن متساوون بعيون العاصفه 18 the wind and rain don't discriminate in buffeting us we are equal in the eyes of the storm عندما انكسرت لملمتني قطعه قطعه واعدتني الى نفسي لم اعد اخاف من الانكسار في اي لحظه 19 when i was broken into fragments you puzzled me back together piece by piece i no longer fear being broken in any moment قبل ان يقتلوهم جمعوا منهم حاجياتهم تليفونات ترن كلها في الصندوق 22 before killing them they collected their personal effects their cell phones are all ringing in the box لا نزعل عندما تموت الاعشاب نعرف انها ستعود بعد فصل او فصلين لا يرجع الموت الينا لكنهم يظهرون كل مره في خضره الاعشاب 23 we are not upset when the grass dies we know it will come back in a season or two the dead don't come back but they appear every time in the greenness of the grass كم يدورنا الشوق معا أين بداية الدائرة؟ أين نهايتها؟ 24 If yearning encircles us, what does it pretend that a circle has no beginning and no end? Thank you. Thank you so much. شكراً. Thank you uh, so much. Um before as the end of the night um jump ahead a little bit when th- this next part concludes uh there'll be a chance to ask questions about the poems and also about what you're about to hear and then in the back we have copies of books uh of Dunya's her three books of poems the book you're about to hear from entitled The Beekeeper Rescuing the Stolen Women of Iraq uh Claudia's collection of poems Killing Maria's There's another book on that table uh, a book called What the Eyes Don't See by a, a woman named Mona Hanna Atisha and uh, Mona Hanna Atisha is a uh, pediatrician from Flint Michigan who 
became known around the country uh, for her heroic efforts to lead the battle in Flint, Michigan, to uh, uh, get wa save the water uh, because of uh, all the political things, machinations that went into putting lead in the water, endangering everyone. And um, Mo, Dr. Mona is from the same Iraqi Chaldean background as, as Dunya is. And we brought Dunya's books to uh, Dr. Mona's appearance a month ago, and I, but I, without asking, and then I, I saw Dr. Mona and said, do you know the work of, of Dunya McHale? And she just lit up and said, she's so wonderful. Uh, so when I wrote Dunya later about tonight, and I said, well, about Dr. Mona, and she, she lit up an email and said, oh, she's so wonderful. So um, it's a book that also, not only telling about the political battles of Flint, but um, Dr. Mona also tells the story of her family uh, and their coming into this country, which um, mirrors in, in various ways uh, what has happened with Dunya's extended family coming into this country. So the next part of tonight, uh, the other part I'll say is um, Dunya acknowledged her poetry editor, uh, Jeffrey Young, uh, who himself is an excellent poet and translator, and uh, Jeffrey will have a new collection of his own poems out late this fall, and we'll be, we'll be presenting him over at uh, Hugo House, the new Hugo, newly rebuilt Hugo House, and with him will be an editor, an author, and translator, poet and translator he has worked with, Don Mi Choi, who is here tonight, uh, and uh, New Directions will be publishing a new translation of Don Mi's translations of... Uh, Korean poet Kim Hae-soon, so uh, that to look forward to at the end of November. So, Dunya acknowledging the poetry editor, we're very fortunate tonight to have the editor of the book you're about to hear from actually here. We've never ever have the, the editor of the book uh, that the author has, has written here, and tonight uh, we're delighted to have Tainan Kogane, who uh, works at New Directions, uh, who has worked with Dunya on this book that uh, that you're going to hear from and about. And Tynan's from Seattle, so we, we see him when he makes visits here. We see him when we go to New York. And um, New Directions, again, is such an amazing place. What the, the his work they've done historically with um, earlier writers of the 20th century, William Carlos Williams, Denise Levertov, Gary Snyder, Ezra Pound, uh, Celine, Neruda, many of them translated works. On to more recent writers, um, uh, Clarice Lispector, W.G. Sebald, Roberta Bolaño, uh, Yoko Tawada, and, and beyond. M many, many uh, writers they've been doing. And uh, among the ri richness of things they've done and that actually have Tynan's name on are these wonderful little poetry anthologies, uh, including one of the uh, recent one on cops, um, which we have back there. So you'll see, uh, you know, these are called from the rich archives of New Directions. Uh, there's some, a lot of wit and you know, wisdom in there in all these things that are happening. But Tynan will now introduce Dunya for this next part of this uh, and talk a little about the book and talk about her as a journalist writing this book. So please welcome Tynan Kogane. Hello. Um, so I figured I could just say a few words about my relationship with the book and Dunya so far. Um, and then I'll let Dunya like talk about her own book and her experience and how it came to be. Um, so uh, this is the fifth book that New Directions has published of Dunya's. Um, there's three volumes of poetry and then an anthology of Iraqi poets called 15 Iraqi Poets. Um, and I heard about the book first um, because two of my colleagues, Barbara and Lori, um, had gone out to lunch with Dunya maybe a year and a half or two years ago. 
Um, and I think Dunya was still working on the book, and they came back, and they were really excited, and um, they just heard sort of a brief synopsis about this, um, like, women who were being abducted by ISIS, and um, this was going to be Dunya's journalistic work, and it sounded really sensational. Um, and so before even reading a single word of it, they had sort of committed to publishing it. Um, that's the sort of faith we have in Dunya as a writer and as a poet. Um, and uh, very fortunately, Jeffrey Yang, who was mentioned earlier, um, has been on sabbatical. He's been um, in Germany, and so I've taken over a lot of his projects. Um, and so as soon as I heard that this one was available, I jumped on it um, because I'd read Dunya's poetry before and loved it. Um, and it just sounded really, really fascinating. Um, and the more, I, you know, we, we found a translator, it took a long time. So, it, I mean, I'd heard about the book for about a year before I was actually able to read it myself. Um, and when I did, I was like totally bowled over and depressed and astounded and amazed. And, um, and I feel like a lot of people have had that similar experience because, I don't know, you hear so much about like what's going on with uh, ISIS or is it's referred to in the book Dash um, and Iraq and the Middle East, but um, this is a really like special personal collection um, that's so like antithetical to the headlines, um, and you really get to know these really amazing people. Um, and some of the stories are just like the most heartbreaking. Like one of the last ones um, about a woman who like endures hell and goes through everything, um, and is still uh, able to uh, feel like uh, a broken heart, um, which I found was really, really moving. Um, and it was also a very special honor to work on this book because like a lot of the time, um, the authors that I work with are dead. Um, and so, uh, and there are very few living authors that are as talented um, and wonderful as Junya. And among those, there are even fewer that are as kind and generous. Um, and so I think maybe, Dunya, you can introduce the book and then maybe I have a few questions or if there's other questions from the audience, we can answer those later. Well, thank you so much, Tynan. I mean, um, you know, uh, he mentioned that uh, Tynan is very patient. I mean, Jeffrey also was, but with this book, you know, last minute, sending him emails about changes, a lot of changes, and he was so patient about it, and he mentioned that, you know, some uh, authors were dead. Maybe he wished I was, <laughs> but he just didn't say it, because um, because the dead don't, you know, make changes that much. So, um, and I've been so lucky with the, with the New Directions. Uh, the publisher, Barbara Epler, she's the one who, you know, she, she discovered... I mean, between parentheses, discovered as it, that she is the one um, who um, she was started here because I had four or five books in Arabic and I it's hard to you know here and you're not in the even in the mainstream and uh, you know it's it's like ocean. So I was the pen. Uh, Elizabeth Winslow uh, submitted the manuscript, the works hard to pen uh, pen grant or award. And uh, Barbara, by chance, who was in the, you know, was one of the judges, she picked it and decided she wanted it for New Direction. So just, I'm not, so, you know, if I was just a good writer, but didn't have luck, would not work. 
<laughs> Always writers need both things, like the skills and luck also. So, so I, I, I am lucky. With, on, I always meet the best people in the world. I, I don't know, so it's, it's really so lucky. But this book, this is a really special experience. I mean, oops. Thank you. So yeah, so this is this is really a special experience. Um, uh, this book, I mean, it started. It was like like these days. It was August uh, also, and it was um, well, four years ago, around this time, uh, that people in the uh, in the villages in the Nineveh plain and the surrounding villages north of Iraq thought. Just like what we, we think today, today is today, tomorrow is tomorrow, it's not the end of the world, right? But um, so they were like, um, uh, th they did the, the, the regular things, they uh, uh, opened the windows so that, that overlooking the hills and sun coming uh, inside, I mean, uh, villagers, uh, you know, farmers, uh, shepherds uh, went, took their uh, sheep to the open air, and uh, farmers exhibited their watermelons on the roads uh, so with, the, with knives, big knives, because in case some customers wanted that special deal that in Iraq we call which means um, watermelon on knife, which the watermelons guaranteed red. So, but you know, the, so um, the Yazidis were supposed to sleep longer, not to wake up early that morning. Because the night before, it was their Marba'aniya, which is their Eid, their celebration after 40 uh, days of fasting. Um, and in that celebration, uh, they have these traditions where they exchange sweets and they visit they're dead, they leave flowers on the graves, and uh, the, the wives leave their uh, husbands and go to, the, to visit their parents, following a tradition that is, you know, as, uh, as, 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 as old as the world itself. I don't know how old is the world, but... So, uh, so that, and they stayed up late, everybody was socializing, I mean, who cares, tomorrow, uh, life will um, continue its normal flow. Yes, it did for three hours. At 3 a.m., um, they heard loud sounds, art artillery, you call it. They never heard such sound, not even in times of war. And people were calling each other, exchanging this unbelievable news. Um, so one of these people in the village of, one of the villages, the village of Kocho, Badia, uh, Badia is a young lady who lives with her, uh, used to live with her, uh, used to live with her uh, mother, father, five brothers and five sisters. And, uh, you know, she remembers that day. She, this is what she told me, remembering. Um, 
In the beginning, we heard that Daesh had occupied Mosul. We heard that they were killing people there, raping women. We heard that they were coming toward us, that they were going to do this, the same thing to us. We didn't believe it. We traded these stories as if they were straight out of the thousand and one nights. We heard that they had severe and solemn faces, that they, they never smiled. We heard that they didn't have mustaches, but long beards. We wondered, is, that, is it true? Are they actually coming? How are they going to get here? Is it true that they are coming with black flags and swords, coming down, um, killing, uh, you know, cutting down anyone who stands in their way? No, that was unthinkable. Daesh was a lie, and even if it wasn't a lie, they would never make it to Kurdistan because the Peshmerga fighters would stop them. We had a hundred soldiers. Surely they would be able to protect us. We shared these rumors until morning. Well, you know, it's not going to go into details in that, but, but Badia will end up with Daesh, you know, with, and uh, specifically she'll end up with an American Daesh, Amir, called Abu Abdullah the American Amir, who joined, who left his wife and two children, left his uh, job as elementary teacher in America and went and joined uh, Daesh, and he will be her, uh, uh, you know, who, who will purchase her. And uh, she, despite her tricks, he will, uh, at the end, uh, rape her. But uh, with her in the same house will be another woman, Nada, and uh, she keeps tricking the Amir, so she protects Nada uh, from the Amir uh, that she convinces him that to have her as a jariya, which means servant, and not as a sabiya, which means sex, uh, female sex slave. And so Nada uh, stays the virgin, which is a big deal for a girl from my country. And later, uh, they do get together run. They break the door when the chance comes, break the door and uh, run together. Badia is one of, one of uh, over 6,000 women who were stolen in that one day in August, four years ago. And they put them for sale in a market called Souq Sabaya. That's why my Arabic original is called actually Fisuq Sabaya, if you translate it literally in the market of female slaves. Maybe, um, I don't know, because the word Sabaya hard to translate exactly in, Ar in English, so was changed. But, um, so, and, and um, so when I, of course, learning about that, you know, as a woman, I felt so insulted. And as a human being, you know, as a very upset, I, I felt. So I called, uh, made contacts with uh, friends and relatives back home, asking them what on earth is, is going on. So they told me that um, um, thousands of men were killed, thousands of women and children were, you know, taken, stolen uh, as uh, captives, uh, as spoils of war and uh, other terrible details. So, of course, even though it was, you know, it's my summer break, I couldn't relax that summer. I couldn't mind my own business. I kept contacting day and night, following up with that. 
uh, in addition to other details, like I mentioned in the book, I start with a letter N, how uh, one letter only, uh, they mark the doors of, so not only the Yazidis so started with also with the, who they call Nasara, meaning Christians, they call them Nasara, Nazareth. So with, start with noon, N, one letter uh, they put on their doors, then people have to leave within 24 hours or get killed. All that was terrible, and I was looking the the news here. I was surprised. Well, how come is this? Not nobody's covering this. What's going? Can the sun really rise and over this and this under the stars? All this can happen. Anyway, so um, I kept, and then um, until a few days, a few months later, I heard that uh, some women uh, actually escaped the grip of Daesh. So, of course, I did my best getting uh, telephone numbers. So I was calling, trying to, you know, talking with, with the woman to, to, to kind of understand. I mean, I can't believe this, couldn't believe it happened. So I wanted to hear from them. By chance, well, the first survivor I spoke with was uh, Nadia. So Nadia, 20, uh, 28 years old, sold with her, her three children to a... Uh, a man from Chechen, we call Chechen, Chechen in English, Chechen. Uh, he was, uh, you know, they, they killed her husband and they gave her a, a new marriage certificate with this owner in it, that new husband or owner. And um, she, she asked him, she said, isn't it forbidden to marry married women? And he told her, he replied to her, not Yazidis. Uh, he spoke with her in modern standard Arabic. When I say modern standard Arabic, that means you learned it from, you know, you learned it. It's not because we speak the colloquial and we write read with the modern standard. So he spoke with his friends, different languages. And um, she said, when I asked her how was his Arabic, she said, uh, it's nothing like the Arabic of the Arabs in my country. His Arabic was clearer, as if he was reading from a book. So he, she actually doesn't know Arabic well. She can't read and write with it. Her language is Kurdish. So she spoke with me in Kurdish language. I, I don't speak this language. But I listened to her also, just wanted to hear her sound, her voice. But then, by chance, her cousin, Abdullah, the beekeeper, the hero of the book, he was, that time I called, he was at her home. So he kindly translated between us. Um, then when she mentioned, she telling me her story, she mentioned that actually this man, Abdullah, is the one who helped her escape, who saved her. So I turned to him to understand the details. Then I found his story fascinating. So, um, he, Abdullah and his family was among those people who also were in the long caravan, uh, you know, in Sinjar. He lived in Sinjar and he was in that long caravan, uh, what he described as a day of judgment when they um, left some barefoot, some, you know, people carrying elderly people on their backs, uh, children, you know, crying and uncomfortable going to the unknown and kicking the dust in the road behind them. And you know, and in the mountain, some arrived the mountain. The mountain is always, the Yazidis always resort to this Sinjar mountain, 
when uh, these catastrophes happen is always this protect them is very high. Uh, they are the, 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 the enemies or whoever can't reach it easily. And they stay there a couple weeks thinking that some helicopter will come from America, from Europe, but it didn't happen. And you know, they, uh, without food, without water, no diapers for the babies, all that, and uh, no blankets in the cold nights. Uh, but then he described there was um, the, the group came, uh, most of them were women, he said. So Abdullah himself was saved by women first, that these women carried the, the sick people on their backs and not only gave them you know, water and all that, he was fascinated by this group of people and uh, that were um, trying to, to save those. But Abdullah, uh, he made it, but uh, he learned that uh, his brother, his sister, 56 people of his relatives were missing because some people went back, they heard a rumor that Daesh is not there anymore. They went back, tried to go back to their houses and were caught on the way. Uh, some didn't and made it so. Um, so Abdullah was, before Daesh came, was a beekeeper, just um, you know, having a quiet life as a farmer. He, is, he has four kids, uh, four, two boys, two girls. He lives with his wife, Sari, and his mother uh, lives with them. Uh, they have a big uh, garden where he, you know, they, he's a farmer, but he had um, bees. And he was a merchant of honey between Iraq and Syria. So that's how he earned his living. And then, um, because he was a very successful honey merchant, he uh, uh, had uh, earned relationship, good relationship with the merchants in Syria. And he had a very good reputation. He earned trust. And he, because of his frequent visits to Syria, he uh, had knowledge of the roads between the two countries. And Daesh, when they took the women and children, they took them to Syria. That's where they opened their auction and their market. That's where they were doing everything in Raqqa. Even Raqqa was called the capital of Daesh because everything was in the beginning happening there. Then they expanded actually. And um, so uh, when it started on personal level that his niece Marwa called him asking for help because she was trying to escape. And then he turned to his friends in Syria, those merchants, asking them what could he do? And then they advised him to um, deal with uh, cigarette smugglers because those are used to danger. So he did. And then uh, he convinced them to switch from, switching cigar from smuggling cigarettes to smuggling women. And uh, he developed a new type of hive, you know, of transporters and smugglers. It was for me like a metaphor. I found this, the way he described it, as if it's a new hive. Because they work with that similar, the skills, like be careful, you know, how with the bees, uh, very organized uh, work and uh, careful work. and. Uh, also, I was fascinated by the metaphor he used, actually, that he said queens, what, Sabaya, what Daesh was calling Sabaya, sex slaves, he was calling queens because due to his, you know, honey, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, terms. And uh, 
So uh, that uh, the, uh, the actually an Italian uh, version is they called it um, it's it's called the Stolen Queens of Sinjar. Uh, anyway, so um, he was uh, he is not only humane. This is uh, like real hero and everyday. He was so he then he um, he was trying to find his own sister. He he was finding other women. And his mother was telling him, so you're saving all these people, when are you, you know, trying to find your sister? And he said, he was telling me, I was so moved when he said, it doesn't matter, every time, every time I save a woman, I save my sister. And every time I welcome one of the queens, I welcome her home. So he was uh, day and night, on, he was like 911, one person. And I noticed because one year I continued conversation with him for a whole year. And the, because of time difference between Iraq and America, uh, sometimes it's after midnight for him or uh, for me. And uh, always his, uh, every piece of information and story I get, uh, the line is cut. Uh, 10, 20 times because, of course, every time there's a ring, we have to, both of us, turn it off because what if it is, you know, a woman on the way, on the road? That Because more and more people knew about him and they were all trying to seek his help. So this was not um, an ordinary work that I did. It was something different, but I feel so honored that I to bring their voices, to give, you know, to, to have their voices heard. When I was listening to them, I wished that the whole world would come and listen with me. And that's why I wrote this book. And Abdullah was like Shahraza to me. He was, he was telling me every time these stories of uh, people he was saving. And I told him uh, when I met him, and at the end I did go, even though 20 years I didn't go to Iraq, uh, I did go because of just to meet these people. So I said to him, uh, you know, Shahrazad uh, saved her life when she told stories, but I'm afraid you're putting your life at risk with these stories. He didn't think it is risky. Well, what the, his work, uh, dangerous work is doing, of course, maybe he doesn't think of stories as, as risky. And it never occurred to Abdullah that one day he would be involved in, in this kind of, you know, dangerous work. Uh, so, and, and 20 years, so when I left Iraq, and, and maybe I, I, did I go over my time? Maybe I'll leave these to your questions. Maybe I stop and listen to you, because uh, I can go forever uh, with this. So how about maybe we take some questions and, uh, in case you wonder about something. Otherwise, you can just read the book if, if you don't have questions. <laughs> Right, right. I didn't well mention, I didn't mention in the book how much the woman cried or how much I was moved by their stories. Although sometimes I had those pieces of poetry. I loved how this um, editor or journalist in The Observer in the UK, he described it as reliving, that I was reliving these moments through these uh, poetic sections. Um, so, so I was responding with that and Actually, even though I agree with you, it is okay, it is horrible. But, you know, I hope that when you, that you also notice the, all this kindness and grace that 
by these people, the strangers, I mean by Abdullah, by his network, and by others, by strangers there in the area, that, you know, give us hope. Um, because always, because it's a matter of luck, like they ask for telephone, then it's a matter of luck. It might be the end of uh, maybe a matter of death or life for them, that person will help or not. And, um, you know, if you notice that these women survived, uh, well, because, okay, because of Abdullah and his network, because of the kind of strangers, but also because that these women stood for each other, stood to, for each other. If you notice, they escaped together. Most of them escaped together. Nadia said to Ragda, who was with her, we will die or get out of here together. Badia protected Nada, and they um, uh, escaped together. Uh, Jamila, they were four. They were disguised as Daesh fighters. And even when one of them was too tired, exhausted, and she told them, go and leave me, they insisted. They go together. They waited for her. And um, Zuhur, Reem, uh, hid her in her, protected her, hid her in her, in one of the rooms of her house, despite the fact that her uh, father was Daesh member. I mean, and more and more they were, I mean, these, these um, women also, they were so courageous. So, and you know, for me, the surprising thing, coming from Iraq, I know how our culture is. I was surprised that the woman mentioned raping and all this before it would, they would not speak about it, but they're speaking about it as if they really, they, they want to bear witness. They, they, they have this need to, you know, have their voices heard and to have, uh, to bear witness to this. And they're saying like, frankly, what happened? Because I don't know if you, I mean, it's very, very hard from a woman from Iraq to mention that she was raped, but they were all mentioning what was happening. So all this was in addition to what, actually Daesh was the one isolated group in the book, because even Muslims were protecting their daughters from Daesh. They were helping, they were among the helpers. So it was like this isolated group that was doing all this. Um, it shows how much harm we can do and how much, how much kindness also we can do, so yeah. So I, I felt honored, it was terrible, as you say, I agree with you, but I also felt honored to, to, to be able to bring these voices to the, to the world. And it was the uh, wish of Abdullah himself. He said, that's the best help you give us, is to have us, um, to have the world know about what's happening here. So, okay, well, I guess, thank you so much. <laughs>